everybody. This is RJ, Ash, Ray, Brandon, Harrison, and Bronson. We host a Dungeons & Dragons podcast called Realms and Nerds. Some highlights of our show include wreaking havoc in every town we visit, blowing up hot tubs, killing off fan-favorite characters, high necromancers, inappropriate wedding etiquette, and every now and then, actually good storytelling. Join us in the realms of Pridea for fun fantasy adventures. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about wherever you get podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the final edition of Talking to Strangers for Campaign 1. Um, thank you all for joining us, and thank you for being with us for the last three years of this journey. Um, I, as always, am your DM, Mark, um, and I have uh, basically everyone that was here during the last arc of the campaign. Um, couldn't do a big end of year getting all the, the side uh, people in, so... You know, shout outs to uh, Stephanie and John, who were um, part of this campaign along the way. Um, but we got our, our final group here. So, um, as always, I'm joined by uh, Jenny, who uh, played Zakara. Hello. Uh, Anthony, who played the uh, one and only Pizza Tacos, or was it Hugh Grant, um, or whatever English actor names you came up with. Margot Robbie at one point. Wait, yeah. <laughs> Hugh Grant uh, was his favorite, though. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have, and the other voice you hear is uh, Tom Schuster, who played Tiresias the Deceived. Hello, everyone. Um, and then we have uh, a Jonathan, um, who joined us uh, late in the uh, campaign, but um, became an integral part of the end, who played um, Fred, our resident uh, Hellspawn. So, John. Hello. And um, last but certainly not least, the man who decided to play two characters in this campaign, um, Mr. Dan Aquino, who uh, played both uh, Bort and O'Craig. Hey, how's it going? So, guys, um, I will just throw this question out here at the start. Um, whoever wants to take it uh, first, um, just feel free to go ahead. So, first campaign over, um, what were your thoughts? Um, how did it differ from when you th what you thought these th how these things would go? Say it that was... one more time, I'm sorry. No. It cut out for some reason. Yes. I said, so your first campaign's over, um, so what are your thoughts um, on how things go the way you expected them to go? Or was there anything different? Like, sort of, first campaign done, your thoughts. It was it was way longer than I ever thought it would be. Yeah, that is I true. Figured, I was not expecting it to be this long. I figured Mark would have killed us like halfway through. <laughs> it's. I think it was good that nothing went according to plan. I guess I I realized early on that D and D isn't supposed to go according to plan, because if no matter what kind of plan you make, that the dice is never gonna let you do that plan it's like impossible <laughs> from what i've seen in other shows and our show and yeah 
it's just it's better that way yeah i agree i agree with both of you i never thought that we would be playing three years later wrapping up our first campaign i didn't know how long it was going to take but i didn't think it was going to take three years that's pretty awesome i mean i'm in a different house from when we started the yeah. first the first campaign yeah we are too it's crazy so much has changed i think I think you guys told me that you were getting close to the end when I started, and that was a year and a, a half ago. Year ago, yeah. <laughs> we also did that to my sister who played Latari. She was coming in for what, like two episodes, and she wound up staying on for like six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you guys went in a completely different direction than what her character was written for. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess we'll go around the room individually here, because. Um, um, you know, with, with this being the end, um, uh, we'll start. I, I do want to start with Dan with this question, um, just because he did decide to, uh, play two characters, but, um, what, what changed from beginning of campaign for your idea of what you wanted to do with your character and how did going through it, um, how did you adapt and, you know, um, change as you went along? All right, so well, when I first started, I thought like all wizards and sorcerers were supposed to be super like, wise and, you know, <laughs> like, you know, almost like, I guess, a, a Dumbledore or Gandalf, Gandalf, right? They're like teachers or, uh, you know, they're, they're supposed to give out advice. And then I just quickly realized that I'm not smart enough to give advice to anybody and I really should just stick to being dumb. So playing my character dumb came very natural. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> but it was fun. I got to play two really dumb characters, and it, it gave me an excuse not to overthink anything, um, except, I guess, how to like set up a joke or whatever. Just try to pay attention to that. Um, in terms of playing a sorcerer and then playing a barbarian... It was basically e much easier to switch from sorcerer to barbarian because I didn't have to worry about spells or any like keeping count of my wild magic. I could just literally rage, and that that was the only thing I needed to worry about raging. Yeah, but uh, just story-wise, with the uh, the story you were thinking like background for your character. Um, going in, did you learn quickly that, um, you know, it was uh, easier to just uh, go with the flow and kind of just ignore what you may have written as a background? Well, the story got derailed like two, three weeks in because the person who I was with, uh, our friend John, decided to, he didn't want to play anymore. So I was like, all right, well, there goes my my story because i'm literally brothers with this person <laughs> so i couldn't really continue on that path uh, i'm a little upset that we didn't really get to venture into my backstory I and mean, I, I i had a very loose leaf idea but it would have been nice to see that area and kind of extrapolate on that and that's something i want to make sure doesn't happen again in our second campaign so i'm i'm working on uh, I guess a little world building of my own. Yeah, and um, uh, on the 
other end of the spectrum in terms of um, uh, backstory gathering going in, Jen, how did um, Zakara change from December 2017 to December 2020? Oh my gosh. Uh, so my initial my initial idea for Zakara being that she was a high elf was to make her very uh, soft-spoken, a woman of few words, but intelligent when she did speak, um, just because I rolled pretty highly in terms of her wisdom. Uh, and kind of snotty in a way, being in High Elf again, I wanted her to kind of think that she was better than everyone else. Uh, and over time, not, not speaking as much really didn't lend itself to anything because, you know, I mean, we weren't even on camera where someone could watch me and get the idea that my character was, you know, this certain way. It just kind of sounded like I wasn't talking a lot. So, you know, being able to interact with the different characters more and like go back and forth arguing with O'Craig and Pizza Tacos, I think that suited her a lot more. And she still, you know, came off a little, you know, high and mighty sometimes, but I think that her, my vision for her changed over the course of the campaign um, and made her a bit more colorful, I guess, in her personality. Yeah. And um, uh, in terms of the um, the, the backstory uh, that, mm -hmm. that you did give me, um, <laughs> did, did you are you did you learn a lesson going into the next campaign about do's and don'ts <laughs> with that? Yeah, um, I definitely wouldn't put as much detail into my next backstory as far as like describing what the buildings are made out of in my village. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure I did that. Uh, and like coming up with words that would have been spoken in that language. Well, also, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Um, but I'll definitely still give some detail because, you know, I, I want to have an idea of, you know, wherever my next character will be from. But definitely will not write a uh, encyclopedia on the history of my character's town next time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's good to have um, a couple of the like major points of things that have happened in your character's past or things that you want to explore with their character. But then, yeah, if you have too much details, then it makes it hard to like explore those things in the campaign right. yeah. or adapt to what's happening in the story. Right, yeah, because then I, like, I don't know if you felt like this, Mark, but I would imagine sometimes a DM might feel like, oh, I have to follow... Like, this person worked so hard on their backstory, now I have to incorporate everything into this somehow. So I don't know if you felt like that, but... Yeah, yeah it, it wasn't so much that, in that I, I wanted to uh, respect as much of what you wrote in there um, while editing it at the same time. Without, you know, going, all right, I don't need to, like, basically do i think it's a tolkien thing where it's like entire pages of the book is just the like in another language or their made up language or something right. um or he's made books written entirely like that um so i'm like okay that stuff i can maybe sort of ignore except for the throbies um which seemed to be a really big thing in in the culture that you wrote mm -hmm. um so i'm like okay so i had that and then i just mixed it in with the story i was telling in terms of the more connection and you know the you know, the runes and stuff and yep. just sort of took the major points of your thing, took the stuff I wanted to tell and was like, all right, if I feel like one of the intimate details that she gave me makes sense, 
um, to slip in and sort of maybe uh, surprise her or something like that, I would go ahead and do that. But it's like it, it's like Jonathan said the the more the more detail you put into it, the harder it is to focus. Mm-hmm. And um, especially in D and D, as I'm sure all of you have learned, and I've learned doing this from the DM side, and have massive respect for every DM that I see on on the internet, um, is that you know it, it it a lot of our best stories came from just using a nugget of what you guys wanted. And then just having the improv at the table or over the computer just occur, you know. I was going to say, or you could go the complete opposite direction and give Mark nothing and make him come <laughs> up with all of it. Well, that, that leads yeah. me into my transition. Thanks, Tom. Um, yeah. That I was going to make was, Tom, the, what, what did you um, learn that differed? I, I know you probably sort of, you have an RPG background in terms of video games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um so what did you learn in terms of, you know, storytelling or having, you know, just only knowing, like, your character story sort of and sort of making it happen as we went along rather than the opposite of Jen, where she had six pages written before <laughs> we even rolled the dice? I, I liked I liked the freedom that it gave me that I could we could kind of riff on something while we were playing and it would become canon, essentially. Um but there, you know, we had we had a basic idea in the beginning. What what kind of what background I had, just by the by the character's name, um, being Tiresias the Deceived. So obviously something must have happened in the in the past to make that make that his name. So we kind of just ran with that, and uh, I liked the things you came up with. We we I was not expecting the you know the the evil version of me to show up and I, I thought that was a pretty cool uh uh sort of looking for uh opposite of what i i my character was because i was predominantly lawful good which i think i was the only law well, jen maybe maybe it may have been lawful good or close to it so it was interesting to have the complete opposite show up and uh and ruin the day so to speak <laughs> and has going through this campaign um helped you with any lessons for your next character no 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 <laughs> no because i i'm kind of i kind of like to just throw together a character i don't really put a whole lot of oh i needed to i need him to have this ability and this this thing i like to kind of do it on the run if that makes sense uh, i like to adapt to the situation instead of setting the character that's what they are they can't do anything else yeah. And I just, I just like to have a little bit of freedom there, uh, especially in a in a D and D setting because so many things happened while we were playing that kind of became canon uh, instead of you know having a strict storyline that we followed the whole the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think the main thing I learned was sort of that, and I'm taking it into this campaign is not having um needing things to be set in stone like worldwide and being able to still be influenced by things as we go along like a little bit of that evil good thing with your um story was sort of taken from a bit of the story in death stranding where they were like the soul and the body being different you know two different entities essentially um and then i just expounded on that going 
what if they, in like a respect with that, instead of soul and body, it was good and evil, you know, sort of split. And I was like, that would mean that would explain why Tom's character is ultra good, you know, is because mm -hmm. all the evil and bad was like literally severed from him. So um, he doesn't realize that, but that's why. Um, and it also helps. And I don't know if you guys agree with with this, but I felt as we went along worrying about the the table, you know, the neutral good evil table kind of kind of feels a little restricting um storytelling wise um yes. it's a good guide um but it does like i don't have to be no tom i gotta knock you down to neutral good you know because you made that one decision um i think it's a good starting point like going, okay this is what my character thinks he is and then as you play through the game you know i don't have to hold you to it but you can sort of choose your reactions based off of that but um, I think it's too restrictive in that, you know, needing to penalize you or reward you based on decisions by moving you up a square on, on the nine square chart. Um, but yeah, I don't know if any of you have any thoughts on... Can I, I would yeah. like to talk about this. Yeah, go ahead, John. Yeah, I really, I like the alignment system in D&D less and less as time goes on. I feel like, um... It, what you were saying that um, it if you care about it then it seems like it significantly restricts your character's actions and also it forces sort of forces you to interpret your like character's morality in a very specific way that doesn't necessarily mesh with the situation um, by which I mean like there's a thousand ways you can interpret the phrase lawful and some of them are um, like you could interpret it as my character always acts by a certain code of conduct or it could be my character always obeys the laws of whatever place he's in or it could be my character thinks that um, you believes in systemic change and that you can't just like do good uh, individual good actions you have to like change laws in order to bring about good outcomes or whatever and if you that becomes really weird when you get into like all the other planes and stuff because like you have beings of law so which of those interpretations do they take and then why does your character's specific actions like make them behave differently when they're on another plane i don't know i think it's yeah. all really weird yeah yeah it, i i in the three years, I've definitely gained more confidence in doing what I believe the system should be, rather than sticking by letter of the law with the book. Um, there's definitely some situations where it's like, no, we kind of sort of have to follow the rule set here, and, you know, we can't stray from it. But, like, 80% of the stuff in that book is a lot of, yeah, but you can do with it. Um you know, just to make the story better. And alignment chart is the first thing within the first year that I sort of just threw out and stopped worrying about it. Um, the only thing I would do is, in Tom's case, you know, if he, um, just because I knew where the story was going with this character, you know, I always had in my head, if he did something that would be really evil, you know, or evil-leaning, 
I would have to point it out from an NPC, you know, sort of thing. Um, just because he had the strict thing of the good and evil with the other character. Um, but everything else was just like, I'm just gonna let you guys go. And as long as you all of a sudden don't start just beheading citizens, you know, for no reason, as close as O'Craig came to wanting to do that. Um, you know, <laughs> it was, you know, it was, I, I could let you guys roam and not have to rein you in because of a restriction. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess yeah. an interesting way to tie onto that is at the, after the end of the, so the last time we did Talking to Strangers, I said, I'm not sure what Fred's alignment is. And I think now after the um, campaign is over, it seems pretty clear that Fred's alignment is lawful evil. Yeah. But um, even though that's the case, I like he still has been taking actions that were basically like for the greater good and stuff yeah. and getting along with characters who are good, such as Tiresias, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think any of that, like, I don't think there's any uh, doubt as to the fact that, like, they would get along and be, um, have the same goals here. However, so then the alignment becomes, like, a weird artificial, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and no, I, feel... I, I know exactly what you're saying, because it also comes down to, I have to stay a little strict with some of that stuff in terms of the difference between devils and demons, because yeah. there is a... Like, devils are very lawful and very, you know, they stick to, a co like, a code, even though there's a lot of backstabbing and trampling right. people on your way up. But there's still a code, like, in line. Demons are just like, I'm, we're just going to kill an entire town. Who cares? Ha, ha, ha. You know, sort of thing. Um, and they're a lot more, um, like, your your basic what you think of as evil. Um when you're explaining it to like a young kid or something like that. Um, like no regard for anybody but themselves and things like that. Um, so um, the uh, uh, next one I wanted to get to was, um, was Anthony. Um, I know the uh, one, you're the only one I think from the backstory outside of Dan had a, um, a thing because John left at his back, this thing changed, but, we had a big important part of, of Pizza Tacos' backstory that we just figured out was no good. Um, and uh, do you want to talk about uh, the complete disappearances of Pizza Tacos' uh, drug habit? Yeah, I mean, we cr I created this character not even playing Dungeons & Dragons, so it's sort of like, oh, well, what can I get, what can I get away with sort of thing? Yeah. And then... It, it became very quick uh, that it started to seem like a crutch and something that was going to be uh, sort of like a thing that was going to just get in the way of storytelling, sort of similar to like you guys were just talking about alignment. Um, so it was very happily kind of tossed to the side. I mean, I think Pizza Tacos was an interesting character regardless of some something like that. And we kind of like, you know, uh, nudged it about like a wink sort of about like the fact that we started that it there and then you know he got clean and <laughs> in like three sessions but um <laughs> i think it was a it was just a, 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 a decision that was made a, a ahead of time because i was like i could do whatever the fuck i want let, you know w let's push the limit of what we could do um and then it was just like i don't really want to have to deal with that 
<laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we even had, like, he was supposed to talk to his loot. That was the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just uh, say thank you for get, getting rid of the guitar after the first episode? Yeah. <laughs> that was another thing, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and I also wanted to start there with you to uh, bring up for, for those of you listening that don't know. Um, I think Anthony's the only one that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, went into a full another game campaign in the middle of doing this. And I was just wondering, what what did you notice the difference between the two games? And how did you, uh, when did you realize that you had more experience going there? Um, like the difference in the beginning at, compared to Stranger Damies? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think, so I, I've started playing a campaign that's not a podcast at all it's just kind of people online through the the pandemic um it's interesting because this is actually the only the second character i guess i've ever really played besides uh i guess we did a one shot with jonathan so that was my second character but so third character in a f- but second in a full length campaign uh which is a barbarian so it's just complete opposite of the skill set um that pizza tacos has it's i think there's a a difference obviously between one that is turned into a podcast and one that isn't i think is a big thing as well but uh it's interesting because how how much um the pizza tacos was a decision maker or led discussions on what to do next and playing a, a character that's a bar- barbarian and a bit of like just a meathead it's interesting to have the experience of not doing that stuff and just kind of like all right well point me in the direction of the thing you want me to smash and i'll do that um but yeah uh, i think also i i in the campaign that uh i'm playing that isn't stranger damies I have almost died three times in the span of six months. Uh, so maybe a little uh, plot armor uh, evidence. Yeah. <laughs> but also, you know, Pizza Tacos was someone that stayed out of fights usually. So that's another thing. But yeah, the barbarian yeah. is supposed to go down. It's supposed to be the sponge. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll fully admit that a lot of the stuff early on... Um, you know, I probably didn't push as hard early for m- multiple reasons, but two main ones. One, I wasn't too experienced or confident in my ability to set a battle to be, you know, both hard and, you know, fair um, without seeming one like either too easy or too hard. Um, so I leaned a little bit towards the easy because I didn't want to uh, scare you guys off, um, sure. you know, um, from the thing. Like I always, I've told the story, I think I've said it on here multiple times that, you know, there was literally in the first session, the, uh, the character that ended up leaving, um, for reasons had nothing to do with how the game went, um, would have been unconscious in the first battle. Um, (laughs) so I kind of just knocked him to one hit point and just said, oh, I hope he doesn't get hit again. You know, sort of, sort of thing there. Um, you know, cause... I was like, I don't, I don't need everybody to go, oh, this sucks. All you do is die, you know, <laughs> and, and then that'd be the end of it. Um, but yeah, yeah. So um, it, it's, it's, 
it's fun to see over time how I got a little more used to doing that and got just a little bit, put you a little bit more in deeper danger. Um, I still need the experience of larger battles and not have that three-hour epic we had uh, for the wedding. Um, <laughs> they Boss battles should be large, but what I meant was having too many characters, it just made it slow. Yeah, like, right. You know, um, if it was like five on three, you know, and the only reason it took so long was because they had a lot of health or high AC. You know, that's different. Or you guys had to figure out different ways to get them. Um, mm. Then going, all right, now I'm on my sixth NPC that I have to attack with. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and I wanted to, to lean in because I, I believe um, out of everyone here in terms of experience with with tabletop role-playing um, uh, D&D and stuff like that, I think Jonathan had the the most of that and i was just curious um you know what what did you um expect coming in and how did it how, what how did your thoughts change at the end in terms of this campaign <laughs> <laughs> so um i don't really like dnd um <laughs> prior to this i was uh before joining you guys i was um, playing Shadowrun with a group and um, so the thing that I don't like about role-playing games is the numbers and stuff. Like I don't yeah. think tabletop role-playing games are particularly good at that. But like lots of numbers in combat. Um, the thing I, reason I wanted to play Shadowrun is because that system doesn't have classes and so you've got a lot more freedom in building your characters and stuff. However, the group that I was playing with, um, despite the fact that you have all this freedom and stuff, the other people in the group made super combat-heavy characters in a campaign that was supposed to be very stealthy and, like, yeah. about investigation and stuff. And um, they were min-maxing their characters and stuff. So the thing I was afraid of is that you guys would be doing a lot of min-maxing and have a really heavy focus on, like, the combat instead of the storytelling. Um, and I was very uh, pleased to find out that that's not the case, that you guys do focus on the storytelling, which is so much better. <laughs> um, that's the thing that tabletop RPGs are good at. If I want to just do combat, then I would play a video game because it's computers are better at doing lots of complex math so yeah um yeah i think that's um i think that would that was my goal going in for the same reasons um is that having a lot of numbers and combat uh, like all the are all the rpgs and mo i mostly dnd i watch online when it gets into really hard long battles i sort of zone out um while listening to it um, and mm -hmm. aren't as engaged. So I wanted our campaign to be more like 70-30 story than battle. Um, just because at the time we were still around a table before the pandemic. And it's a lot more fun to do that in a group, you know, where you can just, you're with your friends and you riff off each other. And certain uh, situations occurred where I don't think we would have the back and forth between O'Craig and Pizza Tacos if it wasn't live and on a table. Um, uh, because there there would be no time with the delay um, over the um, 
over the internet through Skype and all that to get there. And I felt that's what makes our campaign great. And I'm glad to hear someone from the outside uh, coming at the end saying that um, and has fully been, you know, embraced into the group and sort of meshed really well because that's, you know, sort of my fear. And even with Stephanie, um, you know, um, it's 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 a good sign that, you know, I... And it's probably why our audience is still there as well. I didn't do anything to either scare anybody off or bore people to tears. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm, I'm excited. The main thing I'm excited about, because I'm, I'm going to leave you as one more thing before we get into the, if you want to pepper me about questions, um, about things that could have happened or, you know, um, is I am really glad that I don't have to uh, stay restricted to uh, things in the world of Exandria anymore um, and I'm able to write my own in terms of things like that and don't have to go well actually this wouldn't be what happened because you know you know because Matt Mercer has written his entire grand backstory of, of the world and all that and if you're going to play in it you got to respect it so I'm just glad to be able to get out on my own and do that stuff so uh, before we get into the, um, if you guys want to uh, have anything spoiled and stuff like that, that's not for future stuff, you know, things that happened in the past, um, uh, I'll leave it to you. Do you guys have any, you know, final thoughts on the end of campaign one? Um, and uh, yeah, just, just basically any final thoughts. Um, I like how we ended it on... Um... We, we tied it up in a nice little bow, but at the same time, we left enough loose ends where if we ever wanted to jump back into a one-shot further down the road, I feel like it would be pretty easy to continue with the little hints that we dropped that our characters are doing going forward. Um, I think that that would be, that, that's kind of nice, you know, like if we wanted to go back to it at some point. I, I would like to know what happened to King Ronnie. <laughs> All right, so we'll transition into questions. I knew that was going to be one of the first ones that came up. <laughs> um, essentially, um, what happened is um, he 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 became he took over the full mantle of king, um, as seen from the sends the letter through Cranor to O'Craig about asking him to come and be the general of the army, which was essentially what. Um, and this is all me making this up. I don't know if John and Dan ever said or mentioned this. Um, was that that was basically King Roni's job um, under the dad was to be the head of the army. So that, you know, now that he's king, he couldn't think of anybody better than O'Craig to lead the army um, of, of the hometown. Uh, so he is, as far as you know, alive and well. Um, certain things that happened at the very end of the last episode leave it a little bit in question. <laughs> but uh, we'll have to see if we come back for a one shot or uh, finishing those that that final story I have um, for that. But um, yeah, essentially all I did was uh, King Rooney was just basically trying to get everything in order at Salt Air Field and just investigate things. And um, while his dad, while your dad was sick, and and eventually you would have found out he was dying if you if you guys went back there. Um, and that's where he discovered the stuff about the safe cavern and, you know, um, and just sort of um, became a political figure 
um, in the terms of that's why he was in Whitestone, you know, helping out there, you know, to make sure Craig was good. And so, yeah, yeah, as far as you guys know, he is alive and well, and I keep him as alive as I can just on the off shot that we get a sixth <laughs> PC comeback. Um, <laughs> I, want, I wanted to leave it there for him um, in case if, you know, we wanted to in any one shots in the future or anything like that. I don't have to retcon or put a timestamp on it uh, for him. So, um, yeah, yeah, that. Yep. So that's 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 all about King Roni there for all of you King Roni fans out there. <laughs> King Roni stands. I have a few questions for you. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> the first one. Was there a storyline that you had created that we didn't come close to uncovering? Um, well, most of the stuff in Soul Airfield. Um, the, um, yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the reason why the dad was sick. Um, I want to leave that a little bit vague because you still have to go there and investigate that. But, um, I had a whole story written for that. Um, I had the, um, the whole thing with the, uh, sisters were being, um, mind controlled, um, in, or, or ants or whatever was the car's hometown. Um, they were essentially being mind controlled and memory erased and stuff like that. And, um, they sort of trapped them in that location, um, for reasons to do with, uh, Grazit and the, and the demon, um, uh, you know, his planned invasion in that area. Um, so you guys um, didn't get deep into that because you had to run away, um, which made sense in the story. But now that we said that Zakara went back and took them out, I can reveal that to you guys. Um, but yeah, those those are the main ones. Uh, you missed some little things. Um, uh, there was some stuff um, where you could have went uh, within, you know, with the uh, the other three. Uh, um, I keep wanting to say elementals. Genasi. Oops, sorry. That was with Guatari. Uh, um, um, they they had a little bit of stuff they had, um, but yeah, it, it was essentially you guys covered most of it. Um, you know, anything that you missed would have basically done the. And I think I said this on uh, on the Game Vault pod um, that. It, some a lot of the stuff you missed was like what they called diamond storytelling, where you branch it off and it goes to another point, but those two points both go back to the same thing. Sure. Um, at, so um, you just missed a couple of those branches that just would have um, either had some NPCs dead. I'd have to look back at my notes exactly to to pick them out for you, but um, that's about the only thing you. You basically went through with um, all the characters um, uh, alive that could have been alive and all that stuff. So, um, kudos. Um, there were times you could have lost Tribeca and, um, you know, some of the... Uh, uh, you could have exposed the Green Lanterns and things, but... And also, you could have gotten yourselves murdered in hell if you wouldn't have made um, friends with the... Uh, two most powerful arch devils that were at that wedding. <laughs> okay. Uh, was there an NPC that we had interacted with that you had hoped would become a bigger part of the campaign? So, like, Kranor was a huge part of it. 
Yeah. Is there yeah. any character that you you created that you were like fell in love with, but the like we were like, all right, peace, and we never heard from them again. Um, I I was starting to fall in love with writing uh, Helga. I had some good things to just keep coming back to if 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 uh, Craig would have followed through with any of that because um, there was some fun stuff I had written where she was a lot more than what you guys were expecting that she was just basically retired um, to that uh, job that she was working um, <laughs> she had all this interesting you know was like the leader of a of a uh, of a half orc army and things like that um, so I had all that written on the side but you know um, there was no real reason to go back to it and you know, you didn't go at any point, hey, I want to go check in on her, you know, sort mm-hmm. of thing. Oh, Craig sort of ran away from that person. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, the only other, yeah, the only other one was, um, and I don't know if you guys would have ever been able to do this, but um, there's the whole Celestial, um, Celestia stuff with, with uh, Lord Dario Covington um, that was basically... He was as close to an archangel as you can get. Um, you know, had close relationships with... I, I had the pantheon, you know, of Gabriel and all of them, you know, up on the other end of the spectrum. Um, but, yeah, those are about the only two that you didn't touch. Um, I would have loved if I could have figured out a way to just have S and Teddy around a lot more. Um, but, again, it was that thing where we already had five players, mm-hmm. you know having an NP multiple NPCs hang around um, uh, didn't um, didn't lend itself for fun um, podcasting gotcha uh, I'll I have a few others but if anybody else has other questions um, I had a few uh, my first one uh, did you and this is kind of similar I guess to what Anna already asked but do you think that we missed anything huge that would have drastically altered the direction of the story at all like the ultimate finale of the story like was there i know you you called them uh what did you call them strings yeah i forget exactly what you said but diamond it was a diamond the story threads yeah, yeah the threads there you go threads. Yeah. you know you would play several threads for us and would there have been a path we could have taken that would have just totally changed where we ended up Oh, there, there, there were multiple. Um, not, not the full. It was one of those things where um, the you could have had certain situations where you could have changed it a little bit if you would have. Um, I don't even know how you would have done it if you would have figured out Annie was a traitor earlier, um, and if you would have, you know, figured out, you know, the whole. Uh, you know, Mirror Man, Grazit thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have changed and altered that if you would have stopped that stuff a lot sooner. Um, I think the big things um, were a lot of the TPK moments you missed um, mm-hmm. just by making the correct choices. Um, you know, uh, I already mentioned the biggest one in, in the wedding where if you guys would have had to fight as Modi as you would have lost. Right. Um, because he regains health every every turn 20 hit points so yeah that would have been bad um and i don't think you guys would have done enough damage and he has a, he has a thousand hit points so my god um yeah he's pretty he's pretty beefy um <laughs> you're supposed to take him on one-on-one um not with other people in the room 
Uh, so that was a big one, was making those correct choices there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, you know, there was things with the, um, you know, if you would have been able to, um, you know, a uh, different outcome with the Black Dragon could have changed things. Um, if you would have let uh, uh, Renab get away um, when he was flying away as mist. Mm-hmm. Um, he could have shown up later and fucked shit up. Um, you know, if uh, if you wouldn't have uh, gotten the uh, the evil part of Tiresias, if you wouldn't have taken him out in that basement and allowed him to escape, um, there was that would have that would have messed things up because you know he may have gotten word, you know, to to Annie beforehand and would have fucked up that whole great exchange that you had to basically take out a giant boss battle I had in two moves. Um, (laughs) Which is the dice. That's what the dice do. Um, Yeah, so that's essentially it. You guys, the main things you did was um, you know, avoided avoided a bunch of uh, TPKs in in, in a way where if you would have pissed this person off, like, there was no way at that level your characters would have won. Um, And it would have been a slow march to the end of the campaign. Um, but yeah, I was really proud of you guys that you, you took the threads and realized to not straight main path it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the example we made the joke about Stephanie only coming here because I had her only set for like a couple sessions. Yeah. Um, because I thought you guys were going to go right into where, what her big thing was. Um, and you guys just went completely on the other side of the map for about six months. Um, and came back. You did the stuff in Kaimo. You did the stuff in, you know, uh, Zakara's hometown. Um, you learned all that stuff a lot earlier than I was expecting you to learn that stuff. Um, in terms of the protector and champion and all that. Um, which is why it always seemed like there was a big gap between that story occurring and when it would come up. Um, because there was really no point between those two moments where it even mattered. Unless if you guys brought attention to it. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that's about it. Um, Mark, uh, kind of piggybacking off that, I'd like to know when we were in the most danger possible through, during this campaign. Well, what was the absolute, like, man, if, if, if they, you know, rolled one, one thing lower, it it would have ended the campaign. (laughs) Well, the easiest thing is to say is those first two sessions. Because you guys are so so squishy um, at level one, um, you know, getting lucky there. Um, that that luck roll when uh, O'Craig got caught by Zakara going down the river. Um, yeah. That that saved O'Craig at that level um, because I don't think you had resurrection at that point. No. Um, and yeah, so that would have been oh oh you're rolling another character, Dan. <laughs> um, little did we know uh, that that would occur later and um, uh, essentially I will say the biggest danger you were in and it doesn't seem like it because you ended it so quickly was there were a lot of traps in that Annie fight that could have you know taken you guys out um, and things she had up her sleeve um, because she didn't have a whole lot of hit points and stuff like that, but she was a, 
you know, high level wizard. Um, so glass, glass cannon, basically. Yeah, yeah. She could she could have fucked shit up if she had the chance to go a couple times, um, in big ways. Uh, so that that was probably the biggest thing you avoided by doing that so well. Um, like I said, outside of the obvious beginning and end, where you know the end, if you you know fuck up one of those roles talking to Asmodeus or uh, Mesosopheles or you don't do really good role playing for those you know you have an enemy that you can't defeat essentially um, that can kill you in about three hits um, and in the beginning when you have like nine hit points you know killing the enemy before they kill you with a good roll makes sense I'm just glad we never I'm glad we never got to that point I think how many times were there did we die like we had a couple or not die but zero hit points there was like um, you were it, down, I know I, I hit that once uh, I don't know Greg anybody twice. else Pete, Pete Tacos, Tacos once yeah and Zakara because Mark was just like today I'm gonna kill Zakara we <laughs> <laughs> did that, did that to me often. too it wasn't just yeah. you one day we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to kill Tyrese. <laughs> well, he had, like, someone pop up and just be like, Morning Star, and then Sakaar's dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was all setting up the end of that episode. Right. To be honest. Was to show you guys that powerful spell. Yeah. Um, just so when it did happen, and, you know, we can put it in quotes now, oh, Craig died. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys got the full ramification of that person saying morning star, you know, um, mm-hmm. and you know, I only made that on, on you Zakar, because it would, um, you know, I, I don't know if there was ever a chance for me cause you did such a good job of keeping yourself out of danger in battles. Um, that I wouldn't have had that opportunity to get that. So every so often, just for the podcast, I would like to get emotional reactions from people. Yeah. Um, whether happy or, or upset, um, just because I think it, it, it does a little bit good for the entertainment. Um, you know, on the opposite scale, the uh, Green Lantern thing was just so I could get Dan to laugh and, you know, <laughs> you know, get get like a little kid excited about it. Or um, freak Jenny out by stealing <laughs> her dragon. Yeah, uh-huh. that was, that's that exactly what I thought of. <laughs> oh, God, that was great. Um <laughs> it, it, it was the best gasp that I've heard in. I was so sad. Um, yeah, I had that plan for a while, um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But essentially, yeah. Just the the death thing was. Um, I'm not going to say I'm going to be harder about that on the next, you know, campaign. But now I know that you guys understand it and get the get the rules of the game and. Um, understand that if it happens, it's not the end of the world. Um, um, some of you have already played multiple characters in a campaign. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I can be, I don't have to, you know, you know, nerf a damage roll because King Roni has seven hit points and the guy crits and it's a nine. So, um, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. And that's why I'm starting you guys out um, a little higher level. Um, just yeah, I appreciate it's, that. Yeah, a it's more fun because you get a lot of choices at level three, um, depending on your your class. Um, but also, you're not as squishy, and it allows me to not have to have you go. Oh, you're fighting Cobalt again, <laughs> you know, till you level up. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, any other questions? I have an, uh, just one more. Um, I know you had hinted a bunch of times in, in past talking with strangers when Astaroth was being controlled that, you know, this, this could have two different outcomes depending on the choices that we make. Was that just to scare me and be dramatic? Or do you really think that we could have potentially killed Astaroth? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um, the, the things with that were twofold. Um, if you didn't roll well enough and able to get him back, um, he would have been completely feral, and then that would have been the end. Mm -hmm. um, not end for him, because he was he would have obliterated all of you guys. Oh, yeah, um, he has a lot of hit points. <laughs> and also, he would have he's an extra strong red dragon, um, because um, the whole thing is his back story is, you know, he's one of the, you know, surviving children from Thordak, who was this, like, ultra-pumped-up red dragon, um, you know, uh, you know, more than your normal adult and ancient um, dragons, um, just in the lore of Exandria. Um, so he was one of his, a lot of primordial dragon blood and all in him. That was what that whole crimson description meant. You know, that he was a lot more, you know, darker red um, mm -hmm. than you've seen in other dragons. And I always mentioned that Tiresias saw in the book City Red um, at the Platinum Sanctuary um, for that reason. So, yeah, if you would have not been able to break him of that hold, then, yeah, he could have either gone completely feral if you killed the person controlling him, which you ended up doing, um, but after you broke it. Um, it's just choices you make there. Yeah, mm -hmm. he had one of two ways to go, and there really would have been no way you guys would have known that, um, like, been able to, you know, suss that out. Um, mm -hmm. It was just, I was trusting you, um, especially you, Jen, um, to have the empathy and make the decision to go for him first. Right. Um, and if you didn't do that, or they convinced you not to do that, then it's like, oh, well, you know, I can't you know, let everything be a happy ending. Right. Um, it's it's RPG log logic. Go after the <laughs> thing that's controlling something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which I set that trap there on purpose. Um, because I, I knew some of, some of you guys had played video games before. And that's usually the way to break concentration. But he had sort of... Um, I don't know if I had fully homebrewed the spell I was thinking of because you never got to that point. Um, or I didn't need to because you, um, you know, did it the correct way. But yeah, Astrot was the, um, the issue is a wrong word. Um, but well, he's, kind, the, he's, he's kind of a crutch, which I, I'm very interested to see yeah. how we do without the crutch of having an all powerful dragon. On which is side. why I nerfed him a little bit um, in terms of. Um, he went into a, uh, like a humanoid form. Right. Yeah. The, uh, um, yeah, he, it, it, in my sense, it was that red dragons had such a profound impact on this world, um, which you didn't know ahead of time before setting this up, um, mm -hmm. that trying to play around with that and, you know, not being like, I could have been ultra dick and, you know. Cranor could have just put a sword in his back when he saw him. Yeah. Um, 
because that's what the Platinum Sanctuary is meant to do. Um, but, yeah, that's why I'm glad in the next campaign it doesn't seem like all the stuff you guys have been talking about doesn't seem to be anything that is um, so anti the way the world works to where I would have to figure out what that means for the campaign. Um, you know, having a nature versus nurture conversation about dragons is not something that really happens in a D&D campaign. Um, glad you brought that because that's, you know, that's what this story stuff is about. And I love, you know, throwing things on their head. Um, but yeah, I'm just glad that we can sort of, you know, if, if we do something like that, we can turn our head, uh, you know, not right from Jump Street um, mm -hmm. with it. I have a question. Yeah. What happened to the double deuce? <laughs> um, so the... Uh... Did Nino die? <laughs> um, I, I will just say uh, no. Uh, but the reason he's still alive is, um, you know, can be a uh, slight, slight spoiler. Um, I know he was not another version of Grazit um, before anybody listening out there thinks that. Um, <laughs> I was just about, I was think, going back into my head. I was like, was there a, a mention of no, horns no. or something? <laughs> that I'm no, no, it's nothing like that, but it's in the same realm where the, the way he survived was for, you know, a reason that you didn't get a chance to find out. Um, but you did, the bar did need to be rebuilt <laughs> a little bit, which is why I made the joke in the last episode that you have burnt down two bars. Um, you know, um, I believe the second one was O'Craig's fault. So, <laughs> um, I've got one kind of overarching, like a couple, yeah. Um, yeah. but a, like quick. So, what will you miss most about season one? Um, thing I'll miss most is uh, being able to well, from from a from a standpoint of um, being a DM, the comfort of knowing the characters and sort of knowing what choices you'll make um, based on those characters and sort of setting, you know, traps or threads and stuff that you know good or bad for you guys and kind of knowing which way you're, you're probably going to choose. Um, that'll miss um, from a pre preparation standpoint. But I think, I think the thing, the thing I'll miss the most, which is not going to be in this next campaign, um, just because as Tom said, it felt like kind of a crutch to me um, was trying so often to come up with references to the eighties. Um, and it, those were fun to do, but it just became a, Thing where um, it, it it started becoming a, a, a chore for me to try to figure it out um, at times. So maybe I'll pepper some things in. Like there's already some references. Like I'm not going to not make references. Um, there's already some in terms of towns and stuff in the next campaign that are references to things. Um, but they're not going to be like you know a wink and a nod sort of thing. It's sort of they're going to be there. We're going to deal with it straight. And, you know, it's not going to be anything like the Lorian D or um, PYT or anything like that. Um, and uh, but, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to miss 
the reaction from you guys when I dropped that, the either laughter or the groan, um, or the getting screamed at when one of you, after six months, finally gets the reference um, <laughs> to the name of the bar. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that's that that's really the thing. Um, the thing I'll miss from a uh, reaction podcast sense is 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 dropping those references and and the way you guys react to it, and then from a DM. Um, standpoint just sort of making it not easy but sort of um, not having to uh, to think of like pro- plan for too long because I kind of I kind of knew where you guys would go if I put certain things in front of you new campaign I don't know so I got to start from scratch and throw out like seven different things and figure out how you guys are going to play it uh, you were just saying you don't want to make any more, don't want to do as many 80s references in the future, so I apologize in advance, because... <laughs> you my, can do it! Uh, I think that's going to be, like, a key part of my character's identity. And oh. Oh. So, yeah. uh, I, don't mind, I don't mind it from I'll, you guys. Now it's your I'll, turn, Jonathan. Okay. Now you got to think of all the references. <laughs> right. and that's kind of my point. <laughs> it's like... If you guys want to go ahead and keep doing like uh, referencing your story, fine. That's what it, it, it works a lot better when it's the character, the references being from the character, or you know, than me putting things in the world that are references. Um, if that makes any sense, um, because it, it 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 makes me have to make references that wouldn't make actual sense in the world, or I'd have to. Uh, back explain something that was true in Alexandria, but now I had to change because I needed it to be a reference to something. Um, but yeah, and I'm also glad that you guys are all on board with the campaign and I'm not mixing two worlds together um, because some of you had researched things from the uh, Forgotten Realms um, and we're doing town names and uh, god names and stuff like that that were not on par with Alexandria, and I kind of had to try and blend them, mm-hmm. um, which is why Neverwinter is a town in our Alexandria, but not in the real Alexandria. Um, and also with Soldier Field and stuff like that. Um, you know, but that, that, yeah, um, I'm just looking forward to see what John does with, with making those 80s references because his character is really, really good for, for what he's planning to do. Uh, I have one last question. Okay. Yeah, we can we can wrap it up on this one. Yeah, and it's a good one to go out on. What was you 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 as a DM? What was your favorite moment of season one? Um, I'm I'm going to cheat and have two because one of them has to do with the game and one has to do something that happened at the table. Um, so uh, I'll start with the the one in game. I think my favorite moment. Um, was just seeing you guys um, parse out how to, as much as I complain about it, uh, you guys uh, figure out how to take out Annie quickly and get the get get what you needed and get out. And with you know, with not doing this, uh, thinking, oh well, Mark said a battle here, we got to have this battle. You know, you thought like your characters would and got in, got out, and. Um, you know that 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 was my really proud moment at the table. Um, was I think that was the first time 
where I felt um, there were multiple moments where you sort of clicked a little bit with with doing it, but that was the first time where um, where I saw it. Where I'm like, okay, I, I think we'll be good going forward with multiple campaigns and things and one shots and things. Um, these guys are in, but the best thing that happened at the table, which is why I so miss being around the table, was us. Uh, uh, Stephanie's unplanned spit take. Um, oh my god, yes. That was great. <laughs> because it occurred, she did it right as I revealed something. <laughs> so it looked like it was planned, but, and it wasn't even her spit taking the reveal. It was what she started coughing or something <laughs> while, while taking the drink of, of wine. I forget exactly what it was. Yeah. But, yeah, it like had nothing to do with the reveal, but the timing was perfect on video. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that was that was such a great moment, which is why I miss being around the table. Um, and uh, yeah, um, if if you guys wanted to, that's a great question to also throw back at you guys as we wrap up here. Um, was there something you guys particularly that we haven't mentioned already um, that you you enjoyed um, moment in the game? I mean, mine's always going to be Steph calling uh, Aunt Pizza Toppings, like in her first <laughs> session. Off off the bat, she already was making jokes and fitting in perfectly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> favorite moments. Okay, I have one. My, I think my favorite in-game moment was... Um, revealing Astaroth was uh, what was his name originally? I can't remember now. It was like Zakara's friend from her past who happened to just be, you know, showing up and helping oh, out yeah, during the Black up. Dragon battle. Yeah. <laughs> and Mark oh, so and I had planned it. Yeah, we planned it. We did a little pre-recording and I held on to it for a few sessions until the big reveal and I was so excited when Mark, you know, described him like, you know, transforming into Astaroth and and saving the day. And I think somebody had even said like, oh man, we could really use a red dragon right about now. So that was that was <laughs> I think I, think I my, said that. I think you did. That was one of my favorite parts of the campaign was just sitting on this secret and then being able to like reveal it. I got a little taste of what DM life is like, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I will say my favorite my favorite sequence of events is still the I believe it's the second part of Stillben, the Hulk Hogan section. Yes, uh, that was my oh, favorite yeah. part, <laughs> which started with Pizza Tacos starting a so a Marxist revolution, and <laughs> ended, and then we wound up blowing up the uh, Pasta Mania after yeah. turning Hulk Hogan into a frog, putting him in a jar, setting him inside the basement <laughs> with a bunch of gunpowder and alcohol set to explode. And then ending with the people of Stilpen hanging Hulk Hogan from a tree. <laughs> that was our best plan ever, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, he's not getting out of this. That was the best rolling we've ever done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything that we had set out to do went exactly as planned. Yep. Yeah. That was the most <laughs> the best executed besides besides Annie, where we just kind of smash and grabbed. And you know what's sad? He was probably the nicest boss out of any of them that we faced, right? Uh, Pizza Tacos had a difference of opinion. 
<laughs> this is true. But I, I think he was the most, like, human. I don't know. I enjoyed Maybe. doing the Hulk Hogan <laughs> impression. I, yeah, that was I, I mean, also, the re- the Monday Night Mayhem. Ooh, that, oh, that was, was fun. fun. That, yeah. was fun. That, that was great. Considering we didn't plan any of that and managed to get it to work was uh, was a lot of fun. That was in Zakara's area, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was answered the Throbies. That was yeah, during that was the really... celebration of the thro- Yeah, okay. that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, there, the, there's... Fact is, the fact that I didn't know that there was betting going on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we we set it up. Oh man. Yeah, that was that was good. And I liked that I was able to bring Andre back, that you guys met him um later on. Um and all that that was that was so good um yeah yeah so yeah if 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 that's all i think that's a good place to wrap up here um hopefully we have some great improv moments and that's one thing i will say um i know i say it every time we're on here but the improv skills and um ability to uh learn how to play off each other without trying to steal the spotlight um, it's something was greatly improved on throughout the year. And just those moments you mentioned are prime examples of that. Um, and uh, I can't wait to see what happens with a new set of characters and a new landscape that I will put out there. So if there's not any more reminiscing to do, guys, um, I think it's about time we get ready for campaign two. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Yes, I'm ready. Yep. Yep. I'm excited. So um, just to give you a little scheduling update while we're here, um, this episode um, will air after the last uh, uh, episode of of the campaign. Um, So you've already listened to all that and you're listening to this. Um, Going forward, um, we're going to have an episode where I'm just going to lay out the world, um, you know, you know, sort of a brief history, why things are the way they are. Um, without going too much into the uh, player character stories and stuff like that, um, I sort of did this for um, the beginning of this campaign, um, but this will be my own creation, so I won't be sitting there reading from a book um, and for most of it. Uh, so that should be fun on my end. Um, and yeah, and then I think we're, we're going to have like a week off there. So uh, probably middle January, it'll probably be either a week or two break um, between, um, uh, you know, when all this goes up, whether we take it the first two weeks of January or the first week of January, or we take it the middle, like, whatever, there might be a one or two week gap uh, before uh, episode one of of campaign two airs. So um, just be prepared um, for that. Um, So guys, um, you are now not officially well one of you already wasn't um but uh you guys are now not officially first time dnd players yay we graduated <laughs> we graduated happy graduation uh so I thank feel you like all there for was a reference or something to that in the last episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, thank you guys um for joining me thank you all for listening out there um it's been a fun three years um uh, so much has happened, um, you know, in, you know, the world of D&D itself and 
um, the world we live in that it's kind of crazy that uh, um, it's been that long. So uh, join us for another one where we go to break the record and we go four years. How about <laughs> it, guys? <laughs> um, and we all, all of our kids will be NPCs. Um, <laughs> I like making characters. <laughs> yeah, they got to roll at birth so that they're <laughs> ready to jump right in. Um, so once again, thank you to uh, Jonathan, uh, Anthony, Dan, Jenny, Tom, and to John and Stephanie, um, or John Henry, um, you know, who was uh, played King Roni for the first few sessions, um, and a one-shot. Um, all of you made this special for, uh, for the first time going through as a uh, DM. And I look forward to all the craziness we'll get up to next time. And thank you guys for listening. Um, and is it Wednesday yet? <laughs> <laughs>